Welcome to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast, where we bring you sermons from our teaching team at Flood Church, Lilongwe, Malawi. For more information, you can go to floodchurch.com. So we are in this series called Spirit-Led, and what we are doing in this series is just, uh, we are wanting to grow in our awareness of the Holy Spirit, uh, to grow in our awareness, to see His activity in our lives. Uh, because we believe that the Spirit of God is at work. He is working in your life right now. If you have come to know Jesus, it means the Spirit of God has made you to know Jesus. He is the one at work. And we are believing that when our awareness of the Spirit of God grows in our lives, our response to Jesus Christ grows. Because the Spirit of God does not speak of himself. He speaks of Jesus Christ. So he is a representative. He is uh, an advocate, he is a friend, he's a comforter, who is everything that he is doing, everything that he is teaching you, he's just talking about Jesus. So if you obey what he says, that means you are being more responsive to Jesus. You are responding uh, to Jesus. And today we're going to see how the Spirit of God helps us show Jesus. And uh, we are in this um, famous scripture, Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, and the former book here, it's Luke, the book of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convicting proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has said by his own authority. But... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thank you, God, for your word. And may you speak to us this morning. And may we hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. When it comes to talking about Jesus and sharing with others about Jesus, uh, sometimes it can be intimidating. Uh, Sometimes it can be scary. I remember... I always tell this story uh, that, you know, there was a time when I was in my home village and I learned, you know, shepherding, shepherding cows, sheep and goats and farming uh, and, you know, just village life, learning cool village life, uh, you know, but my uncle, Uncle John, he was the one that was really investing his time in my life and helping me, helping me to learn how to shepherd well. Uh, because there were a couple times I lost the animals for three days, and he was the one going around looking for them. 
Uh, of course, that would come with some consequences, but uh, he was really good with, uh, you know, just training and, and, and teaching uh, me. So, uh, and then I left, uh, the village came to town seven years later, uh, you know, I went back. Uh, this time, I had gone back because Uncle John was sick, and, um, and, and my brother and I, my older brother and I thought, you know, we should go and, uh, and see him uh, because he's not feeling well. So we went, and he was in a house surrounded by women, and in a village, that's not a good sign. Uh, that means they know you're going to die. So um, they, and, and they couldn't take him to a, to a clinic because it was very, very far, and they didn't have the means to take him to the clinic. So they, tries, they tried all kinds of ways uh, you know, to give him help. Um, so when I went there, I, wa- I, I, I had become a Christian. So now I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. And I always share that, you know, I was going to a charismatic church. So we're believing in healing instantly. That God heals instantly. Uh, you know, so I have this kind of like fire inside of me. So we got to, uh, to see Uncle John in the house to just want to talk to him. And he could not really speak uh, to me and my brother. And uh, my grandma called me by the side and said, you know what, I'm giving Uncle John just one week, but he will n- I don't think he will last one week before he dies. And in my mind, I'm like, come on, you're not a doctor. Uh, he, he'll be fine. He'll be okay. Uh, by this time, I'm being troubled in my heart. I'm being troubled that, uh, you know, I- I'm now a believer, and I want to share the gospel with my uncle. This is the guy I have known. He taught me a lot of things. Everything that I share about village life, he was the one teaching me and working with me. But I was a teenager and so scared to share the good news with my uncle. Because I was like, you know, he's the guy that I've always looked up to. Will he even listen to say, what are you even talking about? Will he even listen to my message? Because, I mean, he has seen me when I was a kid. Uh, so I, I really, really got scared. I couldn't even speak. So I, I went into the house and then went back. And I said, you know what? Let me just pray with him. Let me just at least just pray with him. And, um, and I went back in the house and just looking at people's faces. And I'm like, they don't even believe in God. I don't think they believe in Jesus at all. Uh, so I even got more scared that I was actually trembling. And I couldn't even pray. Uh, with my uncle. Now, I wish to tell you that after a minute, I gathered up courage and, you know, I just burst into prayer and he, you know, he got healed and he received Jesus Christ. But that's not how the story goes. The story ends there. I did not pray with my uncle and I did not share the word of God with my uncle, even though I knew the truth. One week later, my uncle died. And you know, after this, I was left with questions, you know, and actually not, not only just questions, but guilt, a sense of guilt, not just for a week, not just for a month, not just for one year, but for years, for years. And the questions were, what if, what if I had shared the good news with my uncle? What if, what if I had prayed with my uncle? What if I could have just been there and just say, you know what? I don't know whether you believe in this, but I just want to pray. I don't know. I don't know if my uncle had repented. I don't know if my uncle really knew 
Jesus before he died, but I knew that I had the conviction to pray. I had the conviction to share the gospel, but I couldn't share the gospel with him because I was so, so scared to share the good news. Now, some of you might think, wow, that's really crazy. And some of you maybe have had certain similar experiences. Or maybe you've just had time when you thought, you know, I could actually speak the good news with this person. I could actually share the gospel with this person. But you got scared and you got intimidated. And maybe you feel the guilt within you. Or maybe it is your colleague at work and, you know, he's just... You know, you know, they're just certain people, they're not believers, but they're like just good, great guys. They're like good people. You know, they're like they respect everybody. They, you know, they have like good families and they just, they, and maybe you have somebody like that and you're like, you know what, if I'm going to bring this Christian thing, maybe I'll even ruin our relationship. So I'm just going to leave it like that. Anyway, God even knows as well. Or maybe at times we are scared of ruin, ruining our own reputation. We don't want to ruin our reputation. But also on the other side, I don't think guilt and fear should be the motivation. I don't think guilt should be the motivation for us to share the gospel. We should not share the gospel because we are feeling guilt. And guilt should not be the motivation, but Jesus Christ should be the motivation that we are sharing the gospel. And I know, and I've been I've been kind of like good tricking people sometimes. Be like, you know what? Your friend that you're moving around with, you're not sharing the gospel with them. And then there'll be a time when you're in heaven and they're in hell and they're looking up to you like, what? So you knew about this thing and you never told me? You never told me about this thing and you knew it and you were right there with me. And I'm, I'm not saying that we should be feeling guilt and therefore out of good we share the gospel, but I advocate that Jesus Christ should be our motivation for sharing the gospel because Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. Jesus loves the world so much. Jesus saw our plight and he came to our rescue. Jesus left his comfort and he came to a dying world to rescue the world. And therefore, because he has done so much, there's a lot that he has done. Therefore, he himself will be our motivation of sharing the good news, of sharing the good news. Uh, my friend, Pastor Sean, uh, I think seven years ago we were having a chat, and uh, it was really sweet because, uh, you know, we, we were talking about this concept of, you know, what should be motivating us to share the good news, and he said, we should not proclaim Jesus because the world deserves to hear about Jesus, but we should proclaim Jesus because Jesus deserves to be heard. And I was like, you know what, you know, you got it, dude, like right there. That's what it is, you know. Jesus Christ deserves to be heard. Jesus Christ deserves to be heard by your colleagues. You know, Jesus Christ deserves to be heard by your friends. He deserves to be heard by your family members. He deserves to be heard. So therefore, our motivation for sharing the good news, our motivation for sharing the good news should be Jesus Christ himself because he deserves to be heard. Now, in the scripture that we have read, you know, we are seeing, you know, a group of people uh, who are called the disciples, the disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, remember Jesus Christ, uh, you know, he, he, he was captured and the disciples, all of them, you know, all the men ran away. 
only the females, uh, le- or, you know, the, the women were left uh, and were there when he was dying. But all the guys left, and Jesus Christ was killed. And uh, you know, as he predicted, uh, he rose again after three days. Uh, and after him rising up from the dead, uh, he walks with the disciples for 40 days. For 40 days, he was with them. And, you know, they have seen the marvelous work of Jesus Christ. They have heard his amazing teachings, and they have seen what he can do. And they are, you know, probably maybe excited, you know, excited to share the good news, excited to share what they have seen. Uh, You know, over and over, Peter would say, uh, like, uh, in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, Peter says, As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen or heard. We, we saw Jesus Christ do miracles, and we actually, you know, met him when he rose from the dead. And by the way, this is why Christianity is real, uh, because number one, Christianity starts with an event, which is resurrection. Uh, as some pastor said, if uh, somebody else can predict their death and then predict that they'll rise up and they do it, they pull it off, whatever they say, we're going to follow them. Whether they say, let's go drop ourselves in the lake, we're going to do it because they predicted and they pulled it off. But, uh, you know, the main thing is that there was this group of people that believed that whatever Jesus did and what he was saying was so true, that they were willing to put their lives on the line. They were willing to put their lives on the line. But anyway, they have seen Jesus, and now he is going into heaven. And they have seen that he's going into heaven. And uh, Jesus Christ actually said to them before he left, he said, you know what, but I want you guys to wait. I want you guys to wait. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, Acts 1.8. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When I was practicing this, I was saying Salima, but it's Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it says you will be my witnesses. Now who is a witness? A witness testifies what is seen or heard and verifies what is true. Uh, in a court, you have seen it, or you have been there probably. In a court, a witness must swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help her God in a court, in a, in a court of law. And Jesus Christ says, you will be my witnesses. You are the one that will say what happened. You are the ones that will say what I had said. You are my witnesses, but wait for the Holy Spirit who is going to give you power so you could be my witnesses could be my witnesses. And, you know, verse 3 there says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them more convincing proof that he was alive. Jesus Christ had to prove to them that he was alive, but now it has to be the other way around. They have to prove to the world that Jesus Christ is alive and he has given you the same. He has given you and I the same mandate that we have to prove to the world that he is alive. But you know what? The disciples were just people like us. They were people who at times were afraid. Uh, most of them had uh, you know, very little education. 
Peter, who was very vocal uh, and, and the leader of the whole bunch, he denied Jesus Christ three times. He denied him at his weakest time when he needed him the most. Peter denied Jesus. All of them, apart from the ladies, as I said, they left him, Jesus Christ, when he was dying on the cross. They left their mentor. They, le they left their friend. They left their leader when he needed them the most. And some of them doubted Jesus Christ. Do you ever doubt? Do you ever doubt? Do you doubt God sometimes? You are not alone. All of them, they didn't have powerful positions in society. You know, they were easily allured by the powerful. You remember when the disciples are warning and are shoving the kids away from Jesus? You know, they don't want those who are, you know, weak to associate with those who are weak, but they want to just remain and be impressed with the powerful. You know, they were scared of anyone who was opposing them, more especially the Pharisees. The disciples were scared of dying. Sometimes they would even make rash decisions, and they were not very wise. You know, they were very shifty in their eyes. You know, it happens sometimes that, um, you know, you're with other people, the way you speak is, like, fine and you're okay. But you meet a certain someone with, like, maybe a higher position, uh, you know, or maybe they have more things than you, or whatever it is, your situation. But you find yourself being a bit shifty, like in your, even your voice trembling a little bit, uh, you know, your demeanor changing. Just like, you know, we can be shifty like that. Uh, or maybe, let's say, if you're in the presence of the queen, probably you're going to behave a different way than if you're in my presence, isn't it? People like us, sometimes out of nervousness, they were shifty. Sometimes out of lack of maturity, um, because maturity can mean to be the same person no matter who we're in the presence of. And they were shifty. But you know, all of these things, they show that the disciples were people just like us. They, had, they didn't have the appeal you know, of the world. People would not say, hey, let's go and hang out with those guys. Or you know, they were not looked upon as celebrities. You know, or people would not want to go and just hang out with them easily like that. And Jesus tells this group of people, the scared ones, the ones that doubt, the ones that doubted, the ones that are afraid, the ones that are fearful, he tells them, now you're going to speak on my behalf. Now you're going to be telling the world about me. You're going to be telling the world about me. And they understood the cost because Jesus Christ is not just asking them to be, you know, uh, to be representative of him just once. He is telling them what he's asking them is far more costly because he says, you know what? Now you will be known by this. You will be known by being my witnesses. He is asking them to commit their whole lives to this mission. This will change their legacy. This mission means their entire lives from now on will be defined by this mission. From now on, their lives will be defined by this mission. But he says to them, you know what? Wait for the Spirit because he's going to give you power. Because sometimes living for God is waiting for God. I've been thinking about a lot about waiting this week. And some of you have 
received my text just talking about waiting, waiting for God. Uh, because sometimes living for God is waiting for God. So what we see is that those that are afraid, God wants to use them. Because God uses the weak to tell his glorious story. He uses the weak to tell his glorious story. It is only through his Holy Spirit that a group of people that were scared, doubtful, unlearned, and afraid would let their entire lives be defined by being witnesses of Jesus. By being witnesses of Jesus. Now, being a witness and living like a witness, they're two different things. Because when we have come to know God, when we have come to know Jesus Christ, our identity is that we are now witnesses of Jesus Christ. But there is a difference about being a witness and living like a witness. And we can only live out, we can only live like witnesses through the help of the Holy Spirit. Through the help of the Holy Spirit. It is possible to be a witness, but never live like one. And often, and I think about, uh, you know, if, I, if there's a day maybe I've shared the gospel with someone, I've taught them about the need for God, the need for Jesus in their lives, and I feel like I have been a witness there. So if that day was like on a Monday, I've been a witness on a Monday, but on a Tuesday when I'm not sharing, I am not a witness. But no, we are witnesses every single day. We are witnesses all the time. We are the ones that are representatives of Jesus Christ. Because, but through the help of the Spirit, we are called to put Christ on display because we are being identified by Him. We are being identified by Him. And it is through the living out that we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not giving us power, so we say, look at us. But he is giving us the power, so we say, look at Jesus. We're going to put Jesus Christ on display. Look at Jesus, not look at me. I am weak, but he is strong. Look at Jesus Christ. Now, I just wanted to just share one thing there uh, because of time. Sometimes you're scared. Sometimes you're intimidated. That means you are weak. But... Surrender your weakness to Jesus. Surrendered weakness displays Jesus better. When we surrender our weakness to God, our, you know, uh, you know where we are scared or fearful, when we, sur- we give it to God, it is in our weakest point that Jesus Christ is displayed better. For we know that whatever he does with our message or with our lives, it is his work. It's only him who could do it. It's only him that could change that life. It's only him that could change that life. And this affects how, uh, how we are living as witnesses. How we are living as witnesses. Because there's no way you can be a witness of God and show that in humility if you do not recognize your own weaknesses. If you're proud... It's hard for you to represent Jesus Christ because often this happens. When we go to the unbelievers, we already come with this superiority complex. You know, I am am a believer. I know Jesus, and they don't know Jesus, and therefore they are below me. But we come in the way of love when we do that. John 15, verse 26 and 27 says, When the advocate comes, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus Christ says, the Spirit of God will talk about me, will testify about me, and you also testify about me. And we know the Spirit of God does not talk about himself, but he talks about Jesus. And Jesus says, do the same, you as well. Do the same. If we understand the gospel, the gospel that changes us, we will understand that the whole premise of God coming on earth is that God loved the world. And being witnesses of Jesus means that when we are communicating that love, we are also living out the message of love. Christ says, no greater love as this, that one would lay his, his life down for his friends. So in our living as witnesses of Jesus Christ, we should ask the Holy Spirit to help us, to help us to live the way he wants, to help us to live in the way of love, to come to people and look at people with love and compassion like Jesus looked upon us, just like Jesus looked upon us. So how are we going to be doing this? If we truly believe the gospel, we'll not deem ourselves better because the essence of the gospel is that it reaches out to those that are undeserving. We did not deserve here. The only difference of you, the one that believes in God, and the one does not, that does not believe in God, it is Jesus. Jesus is the one that makes the difference because sin levels the ground by showing us that we need by showing us what we need. But Jesus levels the ground by, by giving us what we need. Because sin says, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. When your friend sin, your neighbor sin, your sin, it shows you that you need something. You cannot save yourself. And you need something that will save you. And it is Jesus Christ. Jesus says, you know what? I will give you what you need. And we will give you what you need. You need me. You need a savior. You need a savior. So the way it looks like in real life, the way it looks like in our day-to-day -day life, is that we are witnesses, but God is calling us to live like witnesses. And that's just what I wanted to communicate to you guys. God is calling us to live like witnesses. And for us to live like witnesses, let's pay attention to the things that hinder our witness. Pay attention to the things that hinder our witness. People will listen more to somebody who is humble than to somebody who is proud. Because pride will hinder your witness. And all of us struggle with pride, isn't it? And the way I kind of help myself, this is a, a tip for you. Um, and I, I ask myself, what would a humble person do in this situation? How, how would they respond in this situation? What would a humble person say in this situation? And all of us also know somebody else we consider to be humble. And maybe I would kind of like picture them in my mind. Maybe they would say it this way. Because I know the traits of humility I admire. So pay attention to the things that will hinder your witness. People will listen to someone who is not corrupt. Because corruption might hinder your witness. People will listen to someone who values them. Than to someone who puts them down and despises them. People are more likely to listen to someone who is honest 
and have their words as a bond compared to someone who lies all the time and cannot be trusted. So pay attention to the things that hinder your witness. What is it that is happening in your life? How are you living your life in your work, in your family, in your school, where you're, wherever you're at? How are you living your life? Is that, would that be a hindrance to your witness, how you're living your life? There's no better way of having accountability uh, in, around you other than when you start professing Jesus and you're talking and you're living like Christ because, you know, you have kind of like this hedge around you. You know, you don't want to mess up because you know this thing will hinder my witness. This will hinder my witness. And I just imagine how will things change? How will our lives change if we see ourselves as witnesses who want to live like witnesses every single day? We want to live like witnesses every single day. How will that change the way we treat other people? The way we speak to other people? The way we honor and respect other people? How will that change? And I think it's going to change. I think it's going to, you know, Christianity makes you better at life. Jesus Christ makes you better at life. Just living with people, just living, doing life. Because when you see yourself you know, as a witness and wanting to live like a witness, you will watch out to the things that hinder your witness. And practically, I'd wanted you guys to um, think about maybe two names of people that you can write down this year and you can start praying for. You can think about people in your family. Uh, you can think about people uh, you know, at your workplace. You can think about people you know, in your school. You know, just two names of people that you can start to pray for. And as you're praying for them, also pray that the Spirit of God would help you to share the good news with them. Those two people, just two people, for this entire year, for the next 11 months. Uh, you know, people that you want to, you know, share the good news with. But just write their names down and be praying for them that God would work because we know it is through His Spirit that He works and rescues people through his spirit alone and make it a point to see how you can engage the gospel with them. You can do that by inviting them to church. You can do that by hanging out with them and building relationships. You may not sometimes, you know, start right away and you're building relationships uh, with people and then whatever opportunities you're finding that you're communicating the gospel, you're communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ because May we be defined by this, that we are witnesses of God. We are witnesses of Jesus. And that's my encouragement to you this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for you are working. Thank you, Jesus, for uh, you have a desire, a desire to see your kingdom your kingdom at work. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would um, help us, Lord, to not only be your witnesses, but live like witnesses. Help us, God. We need your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast. 
Please send us your feedback by commenting below or by emailing floodlilongwe at gmail.com. <laughs>